Recently, Kat and I have gone through some pretty, pretty big transitions. A couple to point out specifically, we bought a house and we had a baby. I, was, I say we had a baby, but Catherine did the work and I was, uh, I was just a part of that journey with her, but I will be a part of the journey with Judah from here on out helping raise him. And I kind of realized that the second night we were in the hospital, or after the delivery, I call in and it's our first time to get something to eat, and I'm hungry, I know Catherine's starving, and I, I call and I say, hey, you know, we want an omelet, uh, toast, and, and uh, some fruit, and some drink, and that's what she wants, and I want, and they're like, uh, sir, uh, this is only for the patient. And uh, I realized, okay, no, that's, that sounds fair, um, it is Catherine that did a lot of work, and at the same time, I've, I've been through a transition w with Catherine, and as a family, we've got a lot going on. And so I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming a lot right now. I'm, I'm not living in the present so much as I'm dreaming about the future, and I'm dreaming about a day when. A day when our house will be put up, hung up, and cleaned up, and then I'll be able to relax. Or I'm dreaming of a day when Judah has a regular sleep pattern of, of some people say 10 hours a night. I can't imagine but I dream of that day, and I know Kat probably dreams more of that. I was hanging out with a friend the other day, Ian, which you guys know. He's a father of two young sons. He's here today, and he's got, uh, he's got the experience of being a father. And he's asking me about things, and I say, you know, I've got this sermon that I'm preparing for. I've got the house, got the baby. Maybe after this sermon, things will slow down. He's like, <laughs> yeah, Trent, yeah. Yeah, after this sermon, man, you'll just sit back. You're not going to know what to do with your time. And uh, as a father of two little ones, I know that he was guiding me well. That's one thing I love about the Church of Redeemer. We can love one another, joke with one another, and guide one another to reality. And uh, again, trying to dream and reach out for other things that will bring me a sense of peace. His point, I think, what Ian was trying to say is don't hope in the next thing being done as your place of rest and comfort. Don't hope in that. When the school year ends in a couple of weeks, I'll have rest. No, don't hope in things that are coming and, and will pass. I hope, you see, in the accomplishment of things to give rest for my soul. I hope that once things get accomplished and one thing, once things get done, I can check that next thing off my list. I'll have peace and I'll have rest. If only... If, when, instead of hoping in the King of Kings, I dream of a day free of worry and free of stress, the day I'll get what I fully want, the one thing that will make it all good. Before we step into this passage today, I want to share something with you, and I want you to find your bulletin if you have it, or find a white sheet of paper, because I'm going to give you a little assignment. But I was reading a book on prayer, about five years back, and it really had an influence on me. It was called The Papa Prayer by Larry Crabb. And uh, it's a, it was an encouragement to daily prayer and connecting with your Heavenly Father. And at times, I would do this daily, using these principles. And so Papa is an acronym that stands for different things. And the second P stood for purge yourself of sin and false idols. And so... That's what I want to, to ask us today. What's going to stand in the way? It goes like this. If I had blank, then I would be content. So for me, it's if I was settled into my house, and if, 
Judah got to a place where we could actually sleep through the night, I would be content. So get your note sheet out. Take a moment and think about it. If I had blank, what is your blank today, in this time? What is the thing that you're saying, if I had this, I feel like things would be a lot easier. This is kind of what you're hoping in that might take the place of God. And don't put God in it. Be honest with yourself. We have things that entice us, that, that draw our focus away, but if I had blank, I would be comfortable and feel at peace. What is your blank? Okay, what is, what person, that if they would just change and understand you more, things would be better? You have a person in mind, what is, if this happens, then the good times would roll. Right now it's just tough because that's in the way. I'd be happy after I accomplished this blank. So what is your blank? I'm literally going to pause for you to take a moment and to prayerfully consider this and write it down. And if you don't have pen, nobody's willing to share with you, engrave it in your mind. I want you to know what is that blank that you're hoping in, that you're challenged to think about as once this happens, things will be better. What is your blank? So go ahead and think and pray and write that down. If the Israel of 1 Samuel chapter 12 were in this room today and they were given that same assignment, they would probably write something like this. If we had a human king of our own, like the other nations, we would be content. They wanted a king on earth more than they wanted to trust in the king of heaven. They wanted a person to rule more than a faithful God. They wanted a man to be the peacemaker instead of the promised Prince of Peace to come. They wanted to have their own way. And that's, that's us too. If you have a blank, if you know there's a blank in your life, that's me, us, and them. We all forget where we get the right source of hope from. We all forget about the King of Kings and focus on man and things. We all do it. So this text calls Israel and us to remember to put our hope back in the right place. It calls us to remember that we are called to hope in the King of Kings and not in man or things. So please stand as I read 1 Samuel chapter 12, and we're starting in verse 6. And as you're standing to do that, know that in 1 Samuel 8 is when they actually said, we want a king. That's when they asked for a king, and they got one, sort of. You see, Saul was ordained as a king, and then he went back to be a farmer. And they're kind of wondering, what, what happened here? Where, where's our king? And it wasn't until the Lord put a, a spirit rushing inside of Saul that he became king. He went and led his people to a great victory against the Ammonites. They were afraid of the Ammonites and asked for a king. And now that king had given them a great victory. So they're on a high coming into this passage today with Samuel. They're on a high thinking about this king is what we wanted. We got him. And here we are now content. And Samuel steps in to warn them, starting in verse 6. And Samuel said to the people, The Lord is witness who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that He performed for you 
and for your fathers. When Jacob went into Egypt and the Egyptians oppressed him, then your fathers cried out to the Lord, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. But they forgot about the Lord their God, and he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them, and they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned, because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies, that we may serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubal and Barak and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you lived in safety. Notice how the Lord had delivered them. And then verse 12. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, Samuel, No, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord your God was your king already. And now behold, the king whom you have chosen, for whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve Him, and obey His voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if both you and your king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But, if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now therefore, stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. It is not wheat harvest today. I will call upon the Lord, and He will send thunder and rain. And you shall know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking yourselves a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Right there, just in context, when he says it's the wheat harvest, it's a time in that, in that area that there's no rain. And so when Samuel says, I'm going to show you God's power, he's going to bring rain and thunder this time, and boom, it happened. That was a big deal. That's why they were greatly afraid of the Lord and of Samuel, the Lord's messenger. So, chapter 12, when you look at it at the very beginning, it has a subtitle of Samuel's farewell address. But I don't believe that's what's happening. Samuel's still around after this chapter. It is more like his resignation of being a judge. It's saying, I have done, as God appointed me, the judge work of Israel but you have wanted a king, so I am resigning from being a judge. He continues to be a prophet of Israel, but he resigns there because they said, essentially, we want something else. We don't want the God-appointed uh, judge. We want a king like the rest of the people. And so right there, in thinking through that, I want to I say if, if that were the case... Is that not the case also today? Is that, is, is that not what we do sometimes? It's like, nah, we want, a, we want a king like everybody else. No, we want, you know, God, I got this. I'm a little uncomfortable with how much you're calling me to have faith, so let me take the wheel. Or maybe we just don't even acknowledge him and we, we put that blank in, in the spot above him and we just start thinking about how that can deliver us. That's what got us in trouble in the first place, right? In Genesis, with Adam and Eve, 
That's what Satan used to tempt him. You'll be like God. And sure enough, they ate of the fruit because we struggle to put our hope in the King of Kings, but rather we put it in man and things. That's what gets us in trouble. So, in order to warn them well, Samuel tells them and reminds them of his state with them in the beginning of chapter 12. He says, uh, and, and he says, I've been fair. It's like a setup. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with your spouse or maybe a friend. If, you're, if you uh, know that friend well enough, and they'll sit down and they'll say, maybe your spouse will say, you know I love you, right? And then the thing that, that follows that is going to be, but here's what you're doing wrong. Or, here's what you've done that's not so good. Here's the blank you've put in the wrong place. That's what Samuel is doing here by the questions he asked them. He says, have I taken anything from you? Have I taken any bribes from you? I, God is our witness. You tell me, am I guilty or am I innocent of being fair to you? And the people of Israel say, you've been fair. And so then he starts in with his warning. He's like, therefore, if you know I've loved you well, if you know I have done my job well for you, therefore, he warns them. And so he starts in with the folly of them not hoping in the king of kings, but rather in man and things. They wanted a man instead of the king of kings to rule them. And he says, that's not good. Okay? They're just celebrating the fact that this man had given them a victory. And he's saying, look, that's, be careful. Be careful to put your hope here in this man-king. Remember the God-king who, who brought you out of Egypt. Remember the God-king whom you call upon time and time again. Judges is all about a cycle. They did what was evil in their own eyes, and then they cried out to God, and He delivered them. He said, remember the God-king who did that. He's doing it today. Even Saul's victory against the Ammonites happened because the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. God made the decision to bring them victory. That is a wonderful God that can be so merciful to us that we choose wrongly, and yet He gives us grace anyway. That we choose wrongly. They choose a king instead of Him, and He gives that king the ability to have victory. He's trying to say, people of Israel, wake up. Do not put your hope in a man-king. Put your hope in the king of kings. And so as he's challenging them, we see that, that, that all has gone well, he says. But God is blessing their decision. Samuel is trying to warn them that this will not bring you ultimate peace. That blank will not bring you ultimate peace and success. It's like Israel, that, anything other than the King of Kings will fall short. Only submission to God will bring you what you want. The Lord appointed leaders like Moses and Aaron who brought them out of Egypt. The Lord did these things, Samuel tells them, but they forgot. Have you ever had a moment where you saw God do something pretty, pretty significant in your life? You felt blessed. I've felt very blessed in the last year. But I also know that I forget. There are days that I forget all the blessings the Lord has given me. Do you feel that way? Do you have those moments You've been blessed by the Lord, but then you just forget. Other things become more important. It might be good things. You just focus on wanting your kid to be happy in college. But it becomes the blank, the thing that will bring you that peace you think. That's what they do. They forget. So the call is to renew our hope in the King of Kings. 
So Samuel, again, he's reminding the Philistines, uh, he's reminding them that the Philistines and others are oppressing the people, but they cried out to the king of kings, and, and he gave them what they needed. He's saying, you cry out, God delivers. You cry out, God delivers. He's, he's trying to whisper to them, remember the king of kings. Remember that it was not man and things, it was the king of kings who has brought you to this success. But they forgot again. The Lord's final insult in this passage is when they say, we didn't just forget the king of kings, we want to replace the king of kings with the man king. We want someone else. And this is where Samuel really lays into them. He really challenges them to think about what they've done. He said, this is evil, what you have done. And you need to repent. And in this passage, it says, after they greatly feared the Lord in Samuel, starting in verse 19... They, they do see that they need help. That they, they need to come back and hope in the King of Kings. You see, God said through Samuel in his passage, He's speaking to His people through Samuel, reminding them, Look, I chose your leaders till now. I'm the one. I'm the one who appointed everyone. And look at where I've brought you. Only when you turn your face from me do you find Restraint. When they were being oppressed by, by Nahash and the Ammonites, it's because they were being unfaithful to the Lord. But they didn't think about that. They thought about the fact that there's a little problem here, and God's not fixing it. I don't need to do anything. God needs to do something. And He's not doing anything, so we want someone who will. Samuel says, that's the wrong step to take. You're putting your hope in the wrong thing. And it's evil. God is the one who delivers you. You're the one who falls away. So he's speaking to them, and he's challenging them. And then he says, God says through this passage, I rescue you from the jaws of defeat still. Again, I give you grace. Even though you have chosen this other king, I use this king to bring you this victory. Don't forget that it was me. And he challenges them. He says, look, church, Israel, if you hope in me again, if you put your trust in me, if you, if you come and you're gathered around me again, if you cry out to me, it will be well. If you hope in me, the King of kings, and not in man or things, it will be well for you. That is the message that God is trying to bring to the people. And then He speaks a little louder with a miracle. Okay, God's power to rule is proven yet again. The king of kings means business. Samuel says, you want to know that I serve the king of kings? You want to know when I warn you that, that he can do things that no one else can do? This is a super dry season right now. This wheat harvest, you don't see any rain. But I will call upon the Lord who is your king, the one who makes it all happen, and he will bring rain. And bam, it happened. Well, do we get that? Do we understand that God will bring what... He does the unthinkable. It's a reminder that God answers to no one. It's a reminder that, that, that we need to realize that no one tells God what to do. If He wants dry land to be wet, it rains. Why not hope in that kind of king? If He wants to bless someone financially because they're in need, it comes. If He wants to heal a marriage, it will be healed. Why not trust in that kind of king? If He wants to bring physical healing, He will heal. If He wants to redeem us for His own glory, He comes down 
as Emmanuel. Thank God that He has appointed our Savior. That we aren't left to trying to earn our way back into His good graces. We don't have a checklist of, to complete before we can turn to the King of Kings and re- restore our hope in Him. We've been given a direct passage to the Lord through Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. We all have chosen people and things over the King of Kings. Remember that blank? Hopefully you wrote something down or you engraved it in your mind. We do that. We struggle. We're all in need of His grace and mercy. We all need God to appoint a ruler for us that will deal gently with us and guide us back with an easy yoke and a light burden. We need that. God appointed His Son to do just that. This is the Gospel. That Jesus Christ came into the world not to help those who are well. If you don't have a blank in your life, then you just don't know yourself well enough. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. But God says through Jesus, when He came down, He said, I didn't come to help the people who are well. You want to think you're all good? I didn't come for you. I came for those who are sick in need of a physician. I came for those who are in need of a Savior. What's your blank? He came to rescue us from our blank and empty hopes it offers. There's one place that gives us fullness of joy and it starts at the cross. In order to find fullness of joy and perfect peace, we must hand over our blanks and hope in the King of Kings, the Deliverer. We have to stop our propensity to wish for someone or something else to bring us that peace that we long for. Another thing about Jesus that we can focus on and rejoice here today is that Jesus Christ is a better Samuel. Samuel steps in at the beginning of this passage and he says, have I taken anything from you? And they say no. He's saying, I'm being fair with you. Jesus says, I didn't take anything from you, but I gave you everything. I was so unfair. I have done some very unfair things to you. I have lavished out my grace for you. He's a better Samuel. Samuel says, I took no bribe from you. And Jesus went and was bribed by the king, the king of the liars. Okay, the, the head deceiver. And he didn't give in, but instead benefited us by saying no. He's the better Samuel. Samuel was appointed to tell Israel to repent and hope in the King of Kings and not man or things. But Jesus is the exact representation of the King of Kings. John 12, 45, Jesus says, And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. He is the exact representation. May we see the King who conquers death and gives us life. May we see the King who offers a hope that will not perish and will sustain us. May we trust in Him and nothing else to give us true victory, true comfort, true contentment. So what if? What if you trust in the King of Kings? What might be some signs that you're doing that? One is that you would be praying more. You would be having a more substantial conversation with the Lord because your days would begin with needing Him and it would end with thanking Him. 
It would be engaged with asking the King of Kings for direction. You would pray for the King of Kings to guide your relationships. You would pray for the King of Kings to guide your church. You would pray for the King of Kings to put your blanks in perspective. What if we put our hope into the Lord? Jesus' first words of the ministry. After He went and was tempted by Satan, it was repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that message stands true today. That we can repent of our blanks. We can hand those off and we can turn another direction. Repent means to turn around and go the other way. But we need the Spirit of God to help us and we need each other. So, here is a challenge for you. Repent by allowing your blank to take precedent and ask to see God's kingdom more clearly. But here's what I want you to do. This is a challenge. You don't have to take it. I'm not the Lord. You don't have to take this. But if you think it'll help, listen. Talk to someone before you leave today about your blank. Before you leave this church today, talk to someone, preferably somebody you trust and know, that's not going to go post it on Facebook. (laughs) But talk to someone you know and trust and tell them about the blank in your life right now. It can be a little thing. It doesn't have to be something huge. But what is that blank? And if you talk to them, I want you to ask them if they would check on you this week with that. You might have to exchange numbers. But ask them to check on you and say, how are you doing with that blank? Are you hoping in the King of Kings and not that blank? Not man or things? And you ask each other that question. Do you want to be asked that question throughout your week? Do you want to be challenged to put your hope in the right king, in the God king? Do you want that? If you do, ask someone to hold you accountable. Make this a time of repenting that we turn and we try to walk with the Lord even more. That's the challenge I want you to do. I want you to help one another repent as the people of Israel were encouraged to repent at the end of the text. So this is the last thing I'll say. Church of the Redeemer... As the text says, hope in the King of Kings, not in man or things, and it will go well with you. Let's pray. Father, I love the story in the Scriptures where your disciples are walking with you. This vagabond group of guys, these fishermen, these men that weren't taken seriously before they knew you. And they're walking with you and they've seen great ministry happen. They've seen many people come to hear your name and come to hear you speak and come to see you do miracles. And they're like, we're in a good spot. And one time you give a message that is hard to hear, that is hard to to understand and grasp. And many people stop hoping in what you offer, Jesus. And they go to something they understand. They go back to man and things to give them peace. And these rough and tumble guys that are walking with you, with their heads down, you look at your disciples and you don't say, oh, don't go. You say, would you like to go as well? We know that you have everything you need. And that you are everything we need. I love Peter's answer, Lord, and I pray that this would be the answer that this church would give when you say, 
Do you want to go as well? And seek man or things instead of the King of Kings? I pray that this church would be like Peter and say, where else are we going to go? You hold the keys and the words that give eternal life. May we grasp on that. May your Spirit move in us that we grasp that. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.